0: We have been in a study for several weeks. If you're counting, this is the 14th one uh, sermon, and next week is the last one in this series. It's going to be 15 weeks long. But uh, we've been looking at uh, the early church in Acts, and we've been looking at what they did, and and what they did is contained in the whole book of Acts. But it's it's really it's it's. Shrunk down somewhat in in Acts chapter two, verse forty two through forty seven, and we've been looking at and we've been calling this explosion becoming a radical church in a in a hostile culture. The early church was a radical church, and by that I mean they clung tightly to their roots, where they came from, what they believed, what Jesus had taught them. They didn't stray away from that. They held on and they did what Jesus said. And that made them radical. They lived in a hostile culture. They lived in a, a culture that was against them, that uh, it wasn't just the religious culture of, of Judaism that was against them. The Roman culture was against them. And yet this church went from nothing to literally in 300 years they had penetrated the whole known world and had overcome. Now, it wasn't because they had great preachers, okay? They had some great preachers, but that wasn't the secret. It wasn't because uh, their message was... uh, Right, I think of a way to say this. Maybe I won't say it. How about that? <laughs> their message was life changing, okay? But their message had nuances about it that had been heard before. Except this time it was real and it was difference. A different the, the difference in them and, and and all that had come before is they were a people that were filled with the Holy Spirit. Nothing could withstand the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit went out. He came, Jesus sent him. And he took up residence in the followers of Jesus. And literally the followers of Jesus turned the world upside down. That's what we're supposed to still be doing. Okay? We shouldn't have to advertise, I'm going to get on a hobby horse here, but I'm so tired of seeing Conservative Christian, proud, not part of the whatever yadda yadda yadda. They've become buzzwords that mean nothing to anybody. Okay, they're aimed at us at a group of people who who okay, they're Christians. I can vote for them. Listen, check them out before you vote for them. It's easy to write something after your name. Okay, the Christians that you read about in this first century were the real deal. Now I'm not insinuating that anybody running for office is not the real deal, okay? But here's the deal. They didn't wear t-shirts that said Christian. They didn't have the little fish sign on them. They weren't proud conservative, whatever. They were just everyday people who went out and preached Jesus by the way they acted. And then if they needed to say something, they said something. These people were different. And you say, well, Nelson, what made them different? Listen, they were living in the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't say that enough. I I, I mean, I can't, I can't emphasize it enough. You cannot do this uh, in any other spot, any other power, in any other spirit. It has to be the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes a statement in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And this is a statement that most pastors and a lot of Christian workers are totally clueless about. They are, they are completely ignored or they are totally ignorant of it. Jesus says this, he says, I will build my church. I. Singular first person, I. Jesus. That's who, that's who he said, I will build, I will construct, I will grow, I will build my church. Yet most of the pastors, and, and, and I've been in this place before, most pastors believe it's their job to grow the church. They believe that, that they've got to take a local church to a new level of growth, especially financially and numerically. And so a lot of guys and, and a lot of pastors spend the majority of their ministry looking for new things that will cause their churches to expand. They, they read articles. Listen, I, I know. I've, I've been around a lot of them, okay? They go to conferences. They, they buy books and videos, and they spend endless hours networking with other pastors trying to see what's working and what's not working, and they're looking for what I would call the magic bullet of church growth. If he did it that way, if we just do it over here that way. And you know what? There are a few that seem to succeed. Their churches grow. But most fail, and deep down inside they feel like they are failures. In fact, we as members of the body of Christ, we add to that confusion by by holding those that have tremendous numbers in higher regard than we do the pastors that pastor 25 people. Listen, most people think that the pastor of a church of a 1,000 is a bigger celebrity than a church with a, with a pastor who pastors about 25. I, I'll guarantee you can check this out and you will find this to be true every time. They are not inviting pastors of churches of 25 to speak at the big conferences. You will never see their names on the contrary, but here 's what you will see one of these days when we get to heaven, the pastors who have been faithful with twenty five they may be a lot closer to Jesus than the others now, just because you pastor a small church or pastor a large church does not mean you don 't know Jesus. My point is is that we in 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 this in this day and age in our time have made church growth all about. Uh, popularity and prestige. We've made it about uh, 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 men that are almost bigger than than life and and we look at their churches and we think they're successful. Can I just say something? I've been behind the curtain, okay? Every pastor puts his pants on the same way. (laughs) One leg at a time. I've yet to see one jump off and put both legs in at the same time, okay? There are some godly men leading. Little does not mean spiritual. All right? I want to balance it. All right? But here's the reality Jesus says, I will build my church. He doesn't say Nelson will build it or or Pastor such and such will build it or this one. Jesus never equates numbers and noses with success. Okay? Now, do I want a bigger church? Yeah, I I want this place to be full. But I can care less if it's full, so I can climb higher and be better known. I want to disappear, basically. I want to work myself right out of a job. That's why I keep preaching about taking the ministry in hand. I want to. I want to. I want you guys to do the ministry, and and I want to just disappear because I've done what I'm supposed to do. Church growth not the responsibility of the pastor. That's not in their job description. God called pastors to be faithful to Jesus Christ, number one. He called them to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, number two. And he called them as Ephesians 4.12 says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not my job to build. It's not my job to construct. It's not even my job to grow a church. My job is to equip the people, the body, to do the ministry in whatever area God has called you to minister in. My job is to equip you to give you what you need so that you can be successful. Jesus will build the church if we just do what he's called us to do. Some of you, God's called to teach. Some of you, God's called uh, to, 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 to pray. Some of you, God has called to go to Walmart and look for people that are in trouble and pray for them. You, some of you know who I'm talking to, okay? And, 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 and your job is to do that. My job is to teach you what the Word of God says and the doctrines of holiness so that, that all of us can grow into mature believers. Our job together is to mature in Jesus. But it's the responsibility of Jesus to grow that church. So, how does God grow a church numerically? Well, according to the New Testament, there's only one way it's through converts. I want you to think about it. I just gave you the secret to church growth. People pay thousands of dollars to go to conferences all over the country to figure out what the secret is, and Jesus. It's just as plain as it can be. It's through converts. People who hear the gospel and respond. Now the current church culture would not probably give you that answer. They believe that it, 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 that churches grow and increase by number regardless of how you count them. Now here's the reality of most churches today. You know how most churches in, in the United States are growing today? It goes by a lot of different names. It's a uh, migration. That's that's one of the new new terms. Uh, people migrating from one church to another. When I was a kid, they called them church hoppers. <laughs> that's probably not real big today. Uh, some churches call it sheep stealing. Okay, that's probably not too popular today. But it's it's a it's a migration of men and women and and boys and girls from church to church and 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 you know what some of that just happens okay but you can always when i was in one of the churches i served in i worked on the uh on the team that uh that counseled uh people that were joining the church got saved i did worship service counseling you could always tell which churches were in trouble based on the influx of members from that church now when you just have a number posted that looks really good. When you break that down to people being saved it doesn't look that really good. Y'all understand where I'm saying? You said, Nelson, what's in your bonnet this morning? Nothing's in my bonnet, I promise. I am just i just realized I don't have to build a church. I'm, I'm free indeed this morning from this job, okay? God's not going to ask me how many members, Nelson, did your church have? And base my my eternal uh, uh, reward on that. He's going to ask me, did you do what I told you to do? Did you obey? That's what he's going to ask. And so it was different in the first church than it is today in most churches. It, It was different in the pages of the New Testament than now. It was not the popularity of a certain pastor, it wasn't the reputation or skill of the worship team that caused churches to increase in number. Acts chapter 2 verse 47, which is the the last phrase in this passage that we've been looking at. Uh, This is what it says. It's very clear how the church grew. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me read that again. It says, And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, this, this verse comes at a culmination of 11 other things that this little church was doing. It, it, it begins in verse 42, They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, they they were they were fellowshipping, they were they were taking communion together, they were praying, they they had this sense of awe and wonder and a fear of God within them. They were they were seeing miracles and, and wonders and signs taking place, they they were they were together in unity, they were they were willing to give whatever it took to make sure that someone in need had what they needed. Amen. They were sharing their faith day by day. And, and they they were they, they they were doing it with gladness. They were joyous. They weren't a bunch of sad sack Christians, okay? They had a smile on their face and a song in their heart. And they were just worshiping God and the people of the community in which they were in held them in great respect and great awe. And this says this, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Listen, it wasn't their building. Because they didn't have one. They didn't have a church building. It was not the contemporary music versus the the, 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 the traditional music. They didn't have a service for, for traditional and a service contemporary. They, they didn't do that. It was not cutting-edge student in children's ministry because they didn't have a children in the student's ministry. And listen, it was not their technology or their production's value or their abilities. They didn't have any. It wasn't the amount they spent on advertising. It wasn't what you saw on the signs everywhere. Why? Because they didn't have a budget for that. Their growth was amazing and it was taking place continually because these first believers understood their purpose and they fulfilled their purpose and they allowed God to produce fruit through them. And don't miss this because this is the key to what I'm going to say this morning in the next few moments. The early church was not the source of the fruit. Jesus was. Okay? Jesus was. The early church presented the message of salvation but Jesus is the source of salvation. They shared it. Don't get me wrong, they, they weren't fearful about sharing it, they weren't afraid to share it, they shared it everywhere they went. But Jesus was the source of that salvation because only Jesus can save people. You say well you know if I share the guy go- if I, if, I, if I just knew how, how to share the gospel like pastor so-and-So or, or mr so-and- so or I just had one of those plans down man people would get saved no they won't only Jesus can save people listen I have had people sit in my office for two hours and I shared Jesus in every way I could share it and the person I was talking to say I know that's what I need but 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 and i realized nelson you could keep this person here till they pass out but they're not going to you're not going to twist their arm and them accept jesus i realized that it's not me it's him it's jesus let me explain to you what jesus says about that and and he uses an illustration and sometimes we get too caught up In part of the illustration and make that the whole illustration rather than what he's trying to say. I I grew up, my father (coughs) raised grapes. Okay, and he raised scuppernongs. If you know what scuppernongs are, okay, if you don't know the difference, they're just like grapes. All right? (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) They're bigger and better, okay? But anyway, my dad raised them. I've, 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 pruned them, I understand what all of that means. But Jesus tells us about how clusters of grapes, how, how fruit are produced on a grapevine. In, in, in John chapter 15 he, he, he gives a, a, a teaching there and he says, he says this, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So, so all of a sudden we've got a picture, Jesus is the grapevine. Okay, and when he talks about the grapevine, he's talking about that part that comes up out of the ground. Okay, that's the vine. Everything else that comes off the vine is a limb. All right, y'all straight with me? Okay. And he says his father is the vine dresser. God the Father is the one who cares for the vine. And he cares for the limbs. He takes care of it. And then he says this, every branch, every limb of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Listen, in simple terms, if a, if a limb does not produce fruit, it's no good. Alright? So what the, the vine dresser would do, he clips those off. Most of the time they're diseased or dead. They're not drawing life from the vine itself. They're just sucking life. They're not giving life. They're just, they're not doing anything. And so he clips them off. And they fall on the ground. Now, you've got a vine or a branch that's producing fruit. Guess what the the person who owns the vineyard will do? He'll come right in there and he'll clip that baby off. And you go, well, if he clips it off, it can't produce fruit. Guess what? When you prune a branch, it will produce fruit more fruit. If you don't prune it, it just grows wildly and you get lots of branches and lots of greenery but you don't get any fruit. And so Jesus says that, 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 that He prunes it that it may bear more fruit. And then He says this to, to His disciples and to us. He says, already you are clean. Because of the word that I've spoken to you. Then he says this, abide in me, live in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Unless we stay connected to Jesus, we will produce no fruit. I don't care how smart you are, I don't care how well educated you are, I don't care what kind of personality you have, I don't care how much money you have, I don't care Whatever. Unless you stay connected to Jesus, you will not produce fruit. I didn't say that. Jesus did. And if he says you're not going to, you're not going to. Y- y'all understand what I'm trying to say here? Okay. Okay. As the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Unless we are connected, unless we are being pruned on a regular basis, we're not going to produce any fruit. Now, I, I can almost hear some of you, I don't like pruning. It hurts. I know. I know. It doesn't just hurt. It hurts bad. That's exactly what my father would say. If we pruned too late in the season the vines would bleed, they would drip, the water would run out of them. God knows just when to prune. But it hurts. It, it makes me uncomfortable. But he's making me uncomfortable so that I will produce more fruit. Okay? Now it's not about what I will produce. Listen, here, here, here comes the, 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 the truth of the matter. As the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. I have a job to do, you have a job to do. Your job is to stay connected to me. That's it. All right, I'm going to take some pressure off some of you. That's it you just gotta stay you got to stay connected. You've got to live in Jesus. You've got to live there in, in that vine. And he says this, Whoever abides in me, and I in him or her, he or her, it is that bears much fruit from apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I've said all that to say this. Grapevines, branches off grapevines, reach maturity. And if they're still connected to the vine, and if they're watered and they're fertilized and they're produced, they produce, or they're or they pruned, they produce fruit naturally. They don't have to sit and think about it. They don't have to strain, I'm going to produce big grapes, big grapes, big grapes today. Man, it just happens. It's natural. The, the life of the, of the vine flows out into the branches, and guess what happens? The fruit of the vine is produced on the branches. It's not our fruit, it's the fruit of Jesus. Clusters of grapes are natural outgrowths of a healthy branch connected to a vine. And listen, this early church was a healthy branch. They just did what Jesus said to do. That's it. Yeah, but, 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 no but, but, but. Yes, Lord. Go up to that person. I want you to pray for them. But God, I'm in Walmart. And I'm the next person in line. God, I've been here for five minutes waiting on these, this register. Yeah, but I want you to pray for this person. Okay, God. <laughs> Your fruit's going to be about like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let that guy in, Nelson. Yeah, God, but he's run down the lane. He knew he had to get in two miles back. There's been flashing lights and signs. Let him in. <laughs> Y'all see what I'm talking about? Y'all live in the same place I live in. Okay. See, fruit just naturally occurs. If the, if the vines, I mean the, the branches are healthy. And if they're not healthy, guess what happens? Disease takes hold. you get branches that are down on the ground they get moisture on them and they, they don't dry out and they, they get dirty and and they get diseased and they die yeah but but what about the Christian you mean we can lose I'm not talking about losing salvation here i'm I'm not interested God's not cutting off live parts all right if he's pruning you today, there's something good happening. If he's not pruning you today, you may not be alive. All right, does that make sense? Can I say it any plainer? If there's no pruning going on, there's no hope for much fruit out of that vine. Because he's not wasting his time, it's already disconnected. So this early church was, was filled with healthy branches that were connected to Jesus. They just did what Jesus told them to do. They just did what Jesus had trained them to do. They obeyed the directions that the Holy Spirit gave them. And they followed the guide, the Holy Spirit, who had been sent to them in the fullness of what Jesus had taught them. They devoted themselves, like I mentioned earlier, to biblical teaching, to fellowship, to communion, to prayer, to the fear of God, to demonstrating the love of God through signs and wonders, to generosity and to assembling in in large groups and small groups just to praise and to worship, to just living daily what they believed. And they enjoyed the people's favor. Every day they demonstrated what an intimate connection to Jesus looked like. In other words, they looked like Jesus. Their fruit clusters were hanging out for everybody to see. Jesus was just pumping, I don't know what you call it, but whatever the juice is called in a grapevine that pumps out to the branches, that produces the, 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 the grapes, that's what was happening. There was a constant pump, pump, pump. The heartbeat of Jesus you could just hear it. And you could see those grapes getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And God produced fruit. He added numerically to their number. They grew organically. And by that I mean they grew by reproducing themselves, by sharing the gospel. They didn't grow by inviting people who were not attending church but should have been. They invited people who were as lost as lost could be from out in the high weeds in Wrightfield. field. They had no idea what goes on in church. They just invited them. They said, hey, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. We're worshiping down here at, at the temple, and we're out on Solomon's portico. Man, we're having a party every day. Come join us. That's what they did. Healthy organisms reproduce themselves, and unhealthy organisms do not. That's just, that's just church growth right there. The miracle growth was a result of, 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 of literally thousands of people being saved by Jesus Christ. It was salvation. That was the key. Being born again, born from the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, born from above that caused this continual growth. It, it wasn't the, 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 this growth wasn't the result of any human agency. It wasn't anything that was attractive. It was just simply God. He was the source. And, and listen, they were not getting saved on their own. They weren't getting saved by hard work. They were being saved. God was plucking people. By the handfuls in Jerusalem, not just ones and twos, but families. And, and, so, and what happened is God began to produce fruit and He began to add numerically to their number and that church began to grow and, and it began to re- reproduce itself. And they were being born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a miraculous work of God. Ephesians chapter 8, I mean 2 verse 8 says this, "...for by grace you have been saved through faith." then if we don't get that, he explains it. this is not of your own doing. it is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. There's not going to be a person in heaven who's going to boast about how many thousand they led to Jesus. They're not going to anybody boast because of, 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 of the fact that they got saved because of this or that or because I was born here or because I said this or because I went to that church. No, there's, the only people that are going to be in heaven are going to be there by grace. Because that's the only way you get there. By grace. Listen, there's not a person alive, no, no, regardless of how powerful the preaching is, the evangelizing, or the miracle-working abilities that has the ability or the capacity to save another person Person only Jesus can save people. He's the only one who can give eternal life, and He can do it because He is eternal life. You can't bequeath what you don't have. All right, the eternal life every one of us possess came from Jesus. It's not organic in us. All right, what's organic in us is that we were born in sin. All right. But Jesus gives us eternal life. He's the source of eternal life. Therefore, He can give eternal life away. He's the vine. To put it in simple terms, we're the branches. The branches draw their life from the vine and they mature. And listen, they mature through many, many prunings. Many of them. I mean, sometimes you will see vines that are this big around. You won't see them around here. If you go with us to Mexico, and you ever get a chance to go out to the vine—I mean, to the vineyards there at the winery—you'll see it. Some of those, there's a vine that was this big. I mean, a, a, a vine that came out of the ground—it was this big around. Now, I grew up with vines, so I knew that vine was old. So I asked. I said, "How old is that grapevine vine there?" He goes, 70 years." Okay, that thing has been producing for seventy years. You know why it's still there? Because it produces. They don't keep it because it looks good because it drinks a lot of water. It takes up a lot of space. It's there because it produces. It produces. It's been pruned and pruned and pruned and pruned. Folks, we don't have to strain to produce fruit. We don't have to work harder. We just have to simply (laughs) abide in the vine and do what comes naturally from being in a relationship with Jesus. That's what the early church did. Listen, they were not terrified. They were not afraid. They were not scared of sharing their testimony of what Jesus had done in their life. You say, yeah, but my testimony's not as, 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 as spectacular as so-and-so's. Guess what? There are people out there that need to hear your testimony. They don't need to hear so-and-so's. They need to hear yours. The, the, this early Christians, they weren't hesitant because they were fearful that somebody would laugh at them or call them crazy. They, they weren't afraid of, of, of offending anybody. I would much rather offend somebody and that person come to know Jesus than to watch them tricky trot right off the edge of the abyss into hell. Okay? At least I didn't offend them. No, but you didn't help them either. Okay? These folks walked in a power that that I'm afraid most Christians have never experienced. They had been baptized by Jesus into the power of the Holy Spirit and they knew it. They didn't have to ask, I wonder if that ever happened to me or not. They knew it. You don't have to manufacture this power. You don't have to work this power up. It's just there. It's like the grapes. It just flows naturally. And if it's not, well, you know what? Then, then all we have is empty words. We, we don't have any power. They were not afraid to put demands on their faith. They were not afraid to step out into places they had never been. Well, if I step out, what are they going to think if nothing happens? Well, they've seen nothing happen before so they'll be used to it. But what if something does happen? They <coughs> had not seen that before. It might get their attention. These guys weren't afraid of that. I mean, I don't think Peter and John thought for a minute when they walked by the, the guy at the beautiful gate, well, if I say this and he doesn't get up, what are they going to think? They just said, in the name of Jesus, get up! And they didn't wait on him to get up. He reached down and pulled him up. You say, but, but, but. Well, quit saying, but, but, but. And God may flow through you. Okay? Well, what if he doesn't? Well, what if he does? But what if he doesn't this time? Well, what if he does the next time? Y- y'all understand where I'm at right here. you got nothing to lose. Alright? Nothing. Well, I've got my pride. Well, if just hang on to that. And one of these days when you run for office, you can put proud on your name up there with all the other labels. Alright? And see what it gets you. That's like a chicken bone in my throat. But anyway. (laughs) Listen, most of us won't try it because we have never experienced it. Most of us won't try it because we really don't believe what this says. Jesus said it. I didn't say this. Jesus said it. Those who believe in me will do what I have done. Now if he just said that, that would have been plenty. But he doesn't. He always takes it to another level. He says, and they will do even greater things. Because I go to the Father. These guys believed it. And because they believed it, they were just willing to let the Spirit of God flow through them. They were, allow, they were willing to allow the power of God to flow for them and just produce grapes. They, they didn't try to work it up. They just said, hey, we're connected to Jesus in Jesus' name. They weren't afraid to put demands on their faith. They weren't afraid to believe God for something they had never experienced. Our problem is we're only willing to go as far as our experience, okay? Okay? And if you will only go as far as your experience, you will never see God do anything in your life. Okay? You always have to take the next step. Yeah, but there's no bridge out there. There's no stone. There's there's nothing to step on. That's where Jesus lives. Okay? That's where Jesus is. We carry his authority we carry his power the early church understood we are connected to jesus we've got one of those tubes that give us the air and it's connected to jesus wherever i go jesus is going with me i'm not by myself listen jesus will never ask you to go to do something that he has not already done or to go somewhere that he's not already at Alright? So you're not going to get too far away from Jesus. Listen, they could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit guiding them. And they just obeyed. You know what? God honors simple obedience. He doesn't honor fear. He doesn't honor faithlessness. He doesn't honor, excuses, or unbelief. God wants to grow His church. Now the Scripture tells us that. Uh, in, in 2 Peter three nine, he, he, God doesn't want anybody to perish or, or to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to come to that place of repentance or come to that place where they will repent. He, that, that's God's heart. Scripture uh, tells us that God loves people. He lo- and, and here's the neat thing. He loves all people. Inclusive, all people. We, we quote John chapter three sixteen too often without realizing what "For God so loved the world" means. You mean to know what "For God so loved the world" means? It means that He really does love all people, black and white, brown, yellow and red. He, he loves Americans and Muslims and Hindus. He loves heterosexuals and homosexuals and transsexuals, and and even the group that doesn't know if they're male or female and doesn't want to put it on the dadgum census, okay? He still loves them. He loves male and he loves female. He loves Republican and Democrat and Independent and whatever other political flavor there are. He loves people. Those are not labels he sees or he is guided by. His desire is to see those who are lost become saved. Those that are not his children to become his children. He wants to see those who are in the kingdom of darkness translated to the kingdom of light. That's what God wants. See we've we've made God a, a, a conservative I almost said white conservative but that's probably true a white conservative Republican. He's not. God help us he's not. He's God. He loves all of us. All of us. And until we get our our focus off ourselves and off of our there's a nice way to say this, there are other ways to say this, off of our lazy posteriors and get about allowing the life of the vine to flow through the branches, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. But if we're healthy, then we will produce fruit. If we're healthy, we'll manifest the life of Jesus in us and through us. But if we're not, then we have disconnected. This morning, I couldn't get the coffee pot to come on. I'm punching a button as hard as it comes. It always comes up blue, but it's not coming up blue. I need some coffee. Then I realized, you know, something's wrong with a pot. I look, I've got coffee in it, i got water in it, i got the deal under it. It's not plugged up. <laughs> you can punch till your finger is bloody on the end, but until it's connected to power it's not going to work. Listen, unless you're connected to power, people can talk to you and talk at you and preach to you and preach at you, but nothing is going to happen. Are you connected to Jesus? And if you are, then just let His presence flow in you and His power flow through you and stop worrying about what it's going to look like and how it's going to take place and if this is going to happen or if that's going to happen. Listen, everything will happen that He wants to happen when He wants it to happen. That's how he works. He rarely sends you a telegram to tell you that next year on March the 13th, I will be doing this in your life, so get prepared. You know why he does it? Because by March 13th of next year, we would have committed suicide from the pressure of it. Okay? He just works. Hey, Nelson, I think I want to talk to this person over there. Won't you step over there and just. Strike up some conversation. God, you know I'm not good with conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm better with, with proclamation rather than conversation. Yeah, but strike up a conversation. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And I stumble through it. And you know what happens when I obey him? He moves. He's not looking for somebody that's eloquent of speech, that's like a salesman that can just talk to anybody. I can't talk to everybody. Some of you have that gift, okay? And if you do, I covet that gift, All right, I really do. I wish I could just strike up conversation. I can't. But you know what? He sends me to that person. He didn't send the guy or the gal that has that gift. And I stumble through it and when we're finally done and that person realizes that God really does love them, there's nothing I can say that can give me glory from it because I'm looking at it going, you know what? They must think I'm a bumbling idiot. I don't even know what I said. And they're over there, tears are in their eyes, and they're just thinking Jesus quietly. It was Jesus, okay? It was Jesus. We, as the church... Are responsible for creating an atmosphere and an environment where genuine life in Jesus can grow. We're we're, we're to build the the the, the 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 dome, the safety place where people can come in and just hear about Jesus. All right, and if we're willing to do that, and we'll stop worrying about our reputation and what others say about us, if we'll just step out in faith, and we'll call into being the things God has already promised and we'll begin sharing what God has done for us every day with everybody we meet, then you know what God will do? He will add to our number day by day those who are being saved. Because that's the way He grows churches. Healthy churches that continue on. You know why they continue on? Because these disciples train the next generation of disciples how to do it. And the next generation of disciples train the next generation of disciples how to do it. And the next generation change the next generation how to do it. You know what happens today? We We have a church that's blowing and going and in 20 years they're not blowing and going anymore. Why? Because whoever was doing the right stuff is gone. And the disciples don't know how to do it. They hadn't invested in discipleship. They haven't trained the people that are there. See, that's why God wants us to disciple one another and to train one another so that we can train the next generation and the next generation and the next generation so they'll keep doing it until Jesus returns. Listen, if we won't do that, then a thousand more sermons won't help. Signs and wonders won't help. A new building won't help. Nothing can help those who call themselves the children of God, yet they refuse to obey the voice of God. You can't help people like that. Obedience is the key. If we'll obey what God has already revealed, he will do what he has done in the past again. It's, it's just that simple. We don't need something new. Yeah, but what about so-and-so? Well, hey, if you want to be a part of that, go over to so-and-so, okay? We're going to obey God and do what he's given <laughs> us to do. And if, And if he'll do what we if we will do what he's told us to do, then he will reveal more. And when revelation comes, the requirement is just like it was before. I have to obey. And as long as I'll obey the revelation, guess what? More revelation will come. And with more revelation comes a deeper level of obedience and commitment. That's how it works. I didn't learn that at a church growth conference. I learned that the hard way, right out of the Word of God. Okay? Because that's God's plan. Here's the the final principle I'm going to give you, the 12th one. Next week we'll sum it all up and we'll finish this. But radical churches are marked by radical obedience. The supernatural results of radical obedience is continual God growth. So we can ask ourselves, are we obeying God? If we're seeing continual growth, then we are. But if we're not, then we've got to ask ourselves, God, where am I missing you? Is it is it something I'm doing that's, that's not obedient? What what is it, God? We've we've got to check ourselves. We've got to make sure we're still connected to the vine. Okay? Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. The branches are what produce or are, are, are what Hold the fruit, but it's the vine that produces the fruit. Okay? Y'all with me? All right. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.